And I think the general trend is to go towards, of course, free and open data policy when it's a data provided by institutional mission. The commercial sector, we have to take that into consideration. We should not hamper that. We should help that sector to be complementary to what we can provide, but certainly strong potential for free and open data policy in terms of exponential value increase and value return for companies and citizens. Hey, Space Watchers. This is Space Cafe Radio, your channel about trends, great people and awesome conferences. You just listened to Simonetta Kielli, Director of Earth Observation Programs and Head of ESRIN. I spoke with her on the second day of the EU Space Conference in January 2023 in Brussels about the usage of the renewed ESA budgets for Earth observation, human resources and Earth observation data policy. You hear partially how busy and noisy the floor was. I apologize for the sound, but that is a price you pay recording on the road. I'm Torsten, publisher of Spacewatch.Global. Enjoy our conversation. Simonetta, thank you very much for having some time for us for the Space Cafe Radio. We had you in our Space Cafe Italy quite a while ago, and many things happened in all of our lives. I think the one that touched you most were the ESA Ministerial, which was a huge success, especially for you, because Earth Observation got the highest priority, got the biggest budget, I think, three billion, if I'm not mistaken. So what will be, I'm not asking what you're doing with this money, but what will be your highest priorities on that? Thank you. And thank you for Space Cafe for inviting me again. We've met a few months ago, so it's a nice to recap. Certainly, we had a lot of events and highlights last year since we met at the Living Planet Symposium particularly the ESA Ministerial Conference. This was in November under German chairmanship in France, in Paris. There, the 22 member states expressed very strongly a political support for the topic of environment and climate change in general, which was very good news for me as a director of Earth Observation, but also, I think, for everybody in the agency in terms of strengthening the role of ESA, a central one with the space technologies and the data we provide in terms of supporting those two challenges, which are challenges of the citizens. ESA collected news. We did a survey with European citizens in the 22 countries just before the ministerial and on top of the priorities of the citizens came climate change and environment. So at the ministerial, the overall budget collected by the member states through the ministers there was 17 billion of a DG proposal of a total of 18.5 billion. I would say an extreme successful outcome overall for the agency. If you consider the geopolitical context, the context of impact on the inflation, the affordability of countries and the general, I would say, scenario. It was an increase compared to the previous one in 2019 of the order of 17% overall. For us observation, we had a program proposal with seven programmatic line of activities, quite a complicated one. And I would say a diversified one, a very good one on the table of 3 billion. We collected 90% of that budget with 2.7 billion. So we're extremely happy of the outcome and very good perspective for the coming months and years for European industry, but also for scientists and users of those data. What do we do now? What's next and what's the challenge? First thing is to do the implementation plans for those activities. Of course, we won't forget the running one, which we are already building, the satellites that we started to build after last ministerial, like the Sentinel expansion mission, for which we need badly to collect additional funding up until 24 on the EU side to make sure this can continue with industrial contracts. 
but also missions like we were already developing like EarthCare or Biomass. On top of those, we have new missions, about eight satellites coming out as additional missions to be developed on top of the 41 we had before for the Earth observation context. So quite a challenge to do that with the budget we have, managing the risk with the time we have. What will be developed further? A mission called Harmony. It's a science mission on the formation of the land and sea. Very interesting to fly in consultation with Sentinel-1 Next Generation in 28. We will also work on a gravity mission, which is extremely relevant as a follow-on of national previous German mission, but also European Gauche mission, to look at ocean circulation impacts with gravity measurements, which have extremely relevant impact for climate change. We will also be able to continue the next generation of the Sentinel missions with Copernicus that was oversubscribed. By the way, three programs of Earth observation were oversubscribed. Very strong support by key member states, Germany, Italy, and France, but also many others, of course. And there we will build Sentinel-1 next generation, Sentinel-3 next generation with the budgets available from the ministerial. On top of that, we have additional climate variables that will be developed in the context of the climate space program. And this is also international collaboration with partners in the context of analysis. Also, what we will do is to develop EOLUS-2. EOLUS-2 is a meteorological operational mission that we are working together with UMETSAT in collaboration for developing satellites at the scenario of 28, co-funded by ESA, UMETSAT, in the scheme that we have of collaboration, which is a very successful one for operational meteorological increase of precision in uh, forecast with wind profiles. And this mission, LS2, which is an operational one, is stemming out from a mixed science mission that was part of what is called Future World. We had an undersubscription on the science program, the core of what we do, big ambitious program, 1.6 billion budget proposal, we got 1.2. So an increase of budget there also compared to the past, 400 million per year, we collected 1.2 billion, not what we wanted in full-fledged. So we're now discussing with member states how to best tackle this challenge of undersubscription with very constructive strategic priorities on the reorientation of the program, keeping the core of it with the key missions of the gravity one I mentioned or harmony, but cutting or delaying some other activities. It sounds fantastic and absolutely overwhelming, these, these, these programs. But how do you manage it with, the, with your staff? Are you increasing the staff as well? Allora, the staff, it's a real issue in the sense that just to give you a feeling for 2023, and this was presented at Digic Press Conference in January, today's observation represents for January 23, 25% of the agency overall budget. This means we're going to have to manage 1.7 billion of budget this year just for Earth observation yeah. in the overall share of visa, which means is a very strong increase compared to the past, which means we will need to increase the resources to do that. Now, there is an ESA plan overall discussed with member states, which agreed last uh, council in December to have additional 200 staff overall in the agency to support exactly these new activities, these new programs, and the increase of volume of overall budgets. And we are discussing internally how to best use these resources and potentially add new ones. So that's exactly an issue, which is an internal one, but it's a very important one on how to use and have the right need and the right resources to keep the quality of the data of the work we do with the same output. 
Are you getting percentage-wise the same amount of no. human resources? No. no. So we are doing a very strong effort in terms of efficiency of the agency. Okay. This is part of the Agenda 25 priorities. We are trying to do matrix organization implementation. Okay. We are trying to get more support from the tech directorate. We are trying to not replace uh, people in position going on pension where it's not needed. We are trying to look at synergy between programmatic activities. And this is really, we're trying to also look at collaboration and support potentially from national space agency to be in integrated teams with us. Okay. So we're really looking at an efficiency overall of the system. Of course, we need to increase somehow the resources, otherwise yeah, we won't manage. But that's the overall plan. I can't let you go without talking about the geopolitics, the geopolitical situation we have. Almost exactly a year ago, we saw the aggression of Russia to the Ukraine and that changed the view on Earth observation dramatically. And I think the agency was known that defense military application would not happen, not supported in, in large scale. So how did it change? How could you adapt? I mean, you can add data to the defense earth. So first of all, the immediate impact was uh, for us in Earth observation on launchers. We didn't have the availability of some Russian launchers which were needed. We also did the mapping of the strategic technology autonomy of Europe overall and Earth observation, what is not so dependent from Russian technologies overall, but which is good news. But of course, we also looked at the potential of Earth observation data to support security-related matters in the context of the war in Ukraine. Typically, monitoring fluxes of people at borders or also looking at food security with crop estimates in Ukraine using data that we had already been collecting in the previous years and doing the estimates with the updates from this year in remote areas which you could not reach due to the war. Having said that, there is more and more a need to integrate a, a security dimension in the work that we daily do and this is already done by industries which are dual de facto in the work they do. So we propose that the ministerial program called Civil Security from Space, which is a joint program between the Telecom Directorate and the Earth Observation Directorate. And this program was quite successful on the Earth Observation side where we have a dedicated line to things that we can do in support of civil security, meaning what we've been doing for years, looking at humanitarian aid, refugee camps, but also leaks in atomic sites or things which are very much related to security. On top of that, we are working with the commission in the sense that we have engaged some studies on very high resolution uh, setup and potential way ahead and setup in terms of space architecture of ideal systems that could look at VHR aspects. These are not finalized. We still need further discussion with various partners, the member states and the commission on that. But certainly we are willing and available to support the commission in the definition of pre-operational demonstration phases of potential security services that could be developed in the future. One observation I've made over the last year that mainstream media is using Earth observation data now. What is great? What is the great news? But on most of the data, you can see Maxar. Yes. So can't we change it to our data, to European data? Yes, we have, uh, of course, in the remit of visas to support the commercialization and competitiveness of the European space industry. So we've been doing dedicated actions in terms of uh, procurement of data by two European service providers on very high resolution data in this context. But this is not enough because ESA is not the solution to the problem. It's really the defense ministries that need to buy those data. Okay. 
And also there was, unfortunately, the events of the failure of the legacy launch in December, which put at risk a little bit the commercial plan of a new commercial initiatives, which are organized on the industrial side because Neoplay had the two satellites were already up and in operation, but two, unfortunately, are not available due to the failure of legacy. Certainly, there is a need overall by the European sector with all key actors, defense ministry and not just the agencies to support such plan and to make sure that they are competitive. But the budgets which are relatively invested in the US and Europe on this today are not comparable. Absolutely. One other question I would like to raise is the use of the free Copernicus data. What is a great thing, but is that a model for the future? Because you see who is using the data today and it's not Europe that is interested in this data. I think the great success story of Copernicus is also linked to the free and open data policy. I'm very strongly convinced about that. I think a free and open data policy has allowed to go much beyond the initial scope of the project, which was operational uses, operational services. The science community has benefited from that. And especially even more than that, the people who could do startups, new commercial initiatives based on the exploitation of the data from Copernicus have managed to do a lot of business around it and their estimates. Are you differentiated between Europe, taxpayers' money, which was in, and the world? Well, of course, everybody can access the data, but this is, I would say, also the general trend worldwide. If you look at the data from NASA, there is an open science policy, which we are mirroring somehow. And we are very strongly collaborating with partners like in the US, not just NASA, but USGS or NOAA. And I think the general trend is to go towards, of course, free and open data policy when it's a data provided by institutional mission. The commercial sector, we have to take that into consideration. We should not hamper that. We should help that sector to be complementary to what we can provide. But certainly, strong potential for free and open data policy in terms of exponential value increase and value return for companies and citizens. Thank you very much for your commitment and thank you very much for your thank time. You. Nice to see you again next time. If you want to stay on the pulse of the space industry, please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. And of course, don't forget to become a Space Watcher. I'm Thorsten Kreening, publisher at spacewatch.global, your independent perspective on space. Thank you.